0: Hello and welcome to Healing from Within. I am your host, Cheryl Glick, author of the newest book in a trilogy, A New Life Awaits Spirit Guided Insights to Global Awakening, which shares the notion that our challenges, personally, nationally, and worldwide, are not economic, political, or societal, but a disconnect from our true being or soul wisdom. I am most delighted today to welcome Thad Cummings, author of Radical Compassion. Hello, Thad, and thank you for joining us on Healing from Within.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Thad, as listeners of Healing from Within well know, over the years... My guests and I share intimate insights into the metaphysical world of energy and science, sharing the truth of who we are and why we are experiencing a duality of life as both physical and spiritual beings who have to learn to merge both aspects of our totality in order to live our best lives and reach our true potential as we find life is a balance between the mysteries of universal source. In today's episode of Healing from Within, Thad Cummings will share thoughts on can compassion change the world and if so, why hasn't it happened already? For me, it should have happened already. (laughs) We're in the year 2020, and we've been on this planet a long time, and we should have gotten it. But we're still in this spiritual evolution, and it is happening. It is happening. Thad, I always love to ask my guests to think back to their childhood and remember a person, a place, or event which may have shown them or others the lifestyle work and interests they might pursue as an adult for perhaps the itinerary for our lives is already written within our heart and soul journey so think back
1: well you know it's it's hard to say because i've been really lucky to be guided by so many different folks over the years who have kind of led me in this direction um
0: so there've been many people.
1: Oh, many, many, many people. Yes. Um, and
0: that's a great gift. Most people I ask that question to come up with usually one, but that's the first time and that's a wonderful answer because yes, I believe everyone we're meeting is not random and we can share something with them and they can share something with us and they can enhance our soul journey and we can learn and we can help and I I think you just answered that very beautifully. Yeah. So let's go on to, you tell of the return of your friend Chris from a mission to help others in third world countries, and uh, that seems to have been an inspiration in part for you to write Radical Compassion. Can you tell us something of Chris and that event?
1: Yes. So... I think there's this interesting notion in America being the wealthiest country in the world per capita that oftentimes other countries, especially developing countries, are perceived to need our help. And we can go there with nonprofit agencies, missional work, you name it, um, with, with that idea that uh, we are coming with the power and the resources to to aid a, another group of folks in need, and I think what um, you know I found really interesting with a lot of folks that I've engaged with, and also even in my own experiences doing, you know, perhaps like when I went to Haiti and did medical mission work myself, um, is is it's 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 never a singular direction there's this binary component to it where, for, for instance, when I went to Haiti, it was made very clear to me, you know, Hey, this is very dangerous. Um, you you know, this is the poorest country in the side of the hemisphere. Um, do you really know what you're doing? And, and when I went there, I was, yes, slightly under that impression of, you know, okay, I'm coming with the medical knowledge. I'm here to help um, these folks who, this is the only medical treatment they will either see um, in many months, if not many years, period, right? I mean, it's a very different system in America. There are no hospitals. There are no mm-hmm. places where you could just call up a doctor. But at the same time, when I went there to help folks out, I will say I have never felt more safe I have never felt more loved I've never felt more community um than i ever than I've ever felt here in the states and i and I think that that's where I'm trying to connect that binary component of well, I went there to serve, yes, but also I was simultaneously being served, and given these gifts that I didn't even know I needed,
0: yeah um, many until many I got there yeah fad many many healers and uh, people. Mm you know who want to help the world think in terms of giving giving and more giving but not receiving and it's only the heart that gives that can learn to receive and yeah a lot of us who have been fortunate to live in this country um, have not understood that till now that times are changing so drastically And I think uh, this is part of the spiritual evolution we're part of. And I I like that you went on to discuss the definition of poor. Now, poor can have two meanings, right? Lacking material uh, possession, small in worth. Or it can mean lacking an element for wholeness in joy, And I think, unfortunately, the materialism in our society has allowed us uh, to let go of that element for wholeness and joy. And you write about that. Actually, you say, you write this, and I think people will understand it. I certainly felt it quite deeply. Bluntly speaking, I think every person is poor in some regard, and we have to look beyond the obvious physical signs to see it. Many of our lives are riddled with bouts of fear, anger, bitterness, jealousy, judgment, or resentment. While I believe these sources of pain and despair may be rooted in a place of fear, I think they also point to a large inadequacy in our lives, a shortage of joy. When life seems to be overflowing with joy and compassion, there is often little room to harbor any of this pain and despair. Yet... Most of us are consumed with the pain and despair to some degree. Why else would topics like greed and envy be so commonplace in society? So go on to tell us the needs we all have and how we go on to find what you call cyclical compassion.
1: You know, I, I think it comes back to this place of humility. If we can't engage this conversation from a place of humility, it makes the rest of the work very difficult. And so for me, kind of relating back to that uh, that idea of, of it's very easy in American culture to acknowledge that uh, we have something to offer. Typically, we, we like to be the ones in control, but we're we're slower to acknowledge the places in which we have needs.
0: Yes. And I think
1: mm-hmm. my, my my attempt to try and maybe poke a little bit fun, the first definition of poor was, of course, that you read was Merriam-Webster's di- Dictionary, the the small and worse. right? Which is how we typically think of the word poor. Um, you, you know, a person holding a sign begging for change at the side of the road Mm -hmm. we often don't think about the ways in which we're poor in our own lives and that's where i want to relate it more to this idea of 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 lacking an element of joy and it's not to say that um financial poverty isn't real or diminish it in any level i think my hope is just is just to bring that element of humility to say well actually we are all poor in some regard right because Mm -hmm. every one of us like i said We we could be lacking money, yes But we could also be lacking love Or relationships
0: yeah uh, we could be poor in spirit right (laughs) right? we could be poor in our heart, soul, spirit and have great pain as a result we could be poor in not understanding the duality of our life and and the help that we can have uh, from opening up to uh, a closed mindset yeah so there's many many ways to be poor but tell us what cyclical compassion we want to get to compassion because your book uh, beautifully expressed the roadblocks to compassion, what compassion is, and uh, how you you discovered it, and you give some examples, wonderful examples. And tell us a little bit more about that.
1: Yeah, so there's this reality of once you can engage that place of humility um, and acknowledge, yes, you have something to offer the world, but you also have needs that I think starts to open up the doors for this idea of compassion because in order for compassion to be cyclical you have to be willing to receive it from other people right and that that's going to break down that barrier of strong independent isolated um, american ideals and to take that a step further it's it's that notion that if i want to talk about Say, okay, Cheryl, I would really like to have more compassion in my life. That's wonderful. That's great. But why do I not currently have it? And in order to understand why I currently don't have it, you need to start wrestling with the conversations of what are my barriers? What are my barriers that actually keep me from engaging compassion in the world? Of uh, judgment, of maybe deciding who deserves Compassion is that this idea of I love to use the example of um, this notion of what if I'm wrong, and it's that idea when you see somebody who looks like they're having a bad day, you can you can tell you can just feel that they're having a bad day, and you want to reach out, you want to say Mm -hmm. something, you want to buy them a cup of coffee, but you're too embarrassed to think, What if I'm wrong, and what if they get what if they reject me, and what if they find the whole situation awkward and demeaning, and and, yes, those are all possibilities. They, they are. And I can tell you, I get rejected all the time trying to help her. It, it, good, people, good people. Good people often but do. Will, <laughs> yes. But yeah. I will say between and the moments which I've been lucky enough to meet just even complete strangers. It doesn't have to be friends or family, just complete strangers and have just, the most wonderful awe-inspiring interactions because I left my comfort zone of what's comfortable and safe for compassion to me because what I really want to get across is this idea of there's no such thing as convenient compassion because no one has ever called you and said you know hey I, I heard your dog Sparky died in which you responded well actually no 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 it was a very convenient time for Sparky to die. Right. Bad things do not happen when it's convenient. There's no such thing as convenient despair or pain. And, and if we can acknowledge that, then we can also acknowledge that our compassion in the world with those we engage with cannot be predicated on, on convenience either, if that makes sense.
0: Well, I like to think that you can't do wrong if you have intention to do something right and to help another human being. And even if you are rejected, some part of what you uh, shared or gave out from your inner being uh, is like a seed, and it remains in that person till some time when they're ready uh, for it to be activated. So, yeah, I, I, I agree, like you, that compassion is one of the most in-depth elements of a relationship we can have with anyone and with ourself, with a stranger, with someone we're close to, with an animal, uh, compassion. It's beyond feeding our doubt. It's beyond worrying about being right or wrong. It just comes because it's the right thing, right? It's just Absolutely. It's the right thing. Hmm. So we're not genies, so we can't get it right all the time, but we can certainly uh, try. And uh, you write, actually, you write this, if we are all being completely honest, I think most of us have battled serious issues of doubts, loneliness, anger, funks, or resentment in our lives, all but lashing out at the heavens to scream, why? Uh, But sometimes the desire to take another step beyond questions like, should I keep going or what is even the point to all of this comes not from within but from another person not necessarily a person who shared some wisdom or who had some answer for us but simply a friend, a lover, a stranger someone who was simply present in a difficult time I really loved that because it's what we started talking about at the beginning of the show what you said at the very beginning of the show about all the people who have helped you along the way so now now let's go on to what really is compassion let's just just have a good clear definition of compassion
1: i would love to just say that compassion is just vulnerably engaging in love with another
0: I think it's really at the core of our being. I really think it's our spiritual soul, essence, love. I really think it's the source of all vitality in life. And it has more power than any other entity. And it's the real means to stop unnecessary suffering. Right? It's powerful. People use the word, but they don't realize how simple it really is to understand we are love. Right? We are not suffering, I, yeah. we are not fear, we are not anger, we are not greed. We are beings of love. We were born with that capacity to have joy, positivity, health, well-being. But we sometimes allow the outside world uh, to put impressions on us and make us think uh, that we are less than that, that we are, this magnificent soul being. And it sort of uh, messes up, right?
1: I would agree. I would agree.
0: All right, but let's go good. Now I think our listeners really have a clear understanding of compassion and how everything we do with that feeling of love reaches out to another person, another experience, and brings that same energy back to us. So if we do it... and give love we're going to receive it now we have to learn to allow ourselves to do that what is giving yourself grace is it time to let go of the competition and your past grace I think can be I think that can be a great
1: component of it right because grace does mean letting go of of all of those, all of those barriers that you've really placed on yourself. Right. Yeah. The, the expectations, the hurts, the regrets, um, this, this notion that we, we tend to be our own worst critics, right? We tend to speak so ill of ourselves, things that we would never say to other people. And I want to so strongly argue that when it comes to this idea of grace or love or joy, you cannot have – let me put it this way. The extent to which you offer grace in the world is, is, is a reflection of the extent of the grace that you have for yourself. So I would argue that it is physically impossible to love another person if you do not love yourself, just as it's impossible to have grace on another if you do not have grace on yourself.
0: You know, this is a hard concept for me to grasp somehow. But recently, uh, one of the authors who's been on my show a few times called me. She has a new book she's working on. And I told her I had been ill and uh, I had not been able to schedule some new shows and I asked her to do a little reading for me and she did a beautiful little reading for me and at the end of it she said God is your grace have God in your heart Uh, connect yourself at all times to uh, compassion and love breathe it in breathe it out be grounded And um, your path is the path of God and blessings and giving into the world. And then the last thing she said was, God is your grace. So how would you express that? I mean, Mm. I, I wasn't quite sure because I'm not a particularly religious person. I'm a very spiritual person. I'm a very loving person. I'm a very dedicated and hard worker. Uh, So what would you think that means? I'm sure you'll have a good handle on it.
1: (laughs) Well, you you know, it's interesting. I come from a very non-religious background and going through... You know, going through my trials and tribulations, as I always get to make the joke, but I got to have my midlife crisis young, getting sick, losing, losing (laughs) everything. And you lost your business, I know. Childhood, Yeah. yeah. So, so, so going through that was a great, great teacher in humility. And what what your friend was saying is is also true for me. And I always want to be respectful of when I speak of something like God, because it can have such a negative connotation for so many people. Yes. And I get it because God was used as a weapon against me growing up. And as an adult and studying it and studying ancient texts and what it all meant, I feel like it was so misconstrued to, to whatever God you pray to or, or whatever your faith Maybe be or lack of it, I do believe that there is this resounding presence in everything, right? This reverberation of spirit or um, in the ancient Hebrew language, the Ruach, the wind, the spirit of God, right? Mm-hmm. is reverberating yes. and giving life in everything. And I think one of the gifts that I have found is that in connecting with the Ruach, I have found more grace enjoy because I not only do I see more beauty in the world I also realize how much bigger the world is than me and in that gift of realizing how unimportant I am not how unique I am or how many gifts I have no, no I'm not saying that what I'm trying to say is the gift of realizing how important unimportant I am frees me up from all those mental barriers that we place well on
0: that's ourselves. also humility what we were talking yes. about before right absolutely uh, right I have studied also philosophy and religion in, in searching for the meaning of who we are where we come from and where we go and as an intuitive healer and medium I know the answers I serve God or the universe or the creative force whatever one calls it there is something mm, that we're all part of and that's within our heart at all times so yes i guess god is our grace god is everything without that we have no life we have no understanding we have no we have no love god is love we are love and so it's all one into the unity so that you did answer it <laughs> very, very 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 beautifully and you feel that way and i feel that way and it's of course a religious sense in a way and it's also a spiritual sense but it's a personal connection to god and spirit that we have not necessarily from the books and the you know the old systems it's more of a personal connection i i would say that would you
1: i think the only thing i would add to that is in the in the gifts of studying uh st teresa of avila or you know thomas Martin, all these folks that have come before us you know when they talk about their quest for god and seeking that grace and humility where they have to go on this journey to come all the way back to the beginning to find out You know the the quote of that God was nearer to me than my own breath the entire time.
0: Well, God is the breath. (laughs)
1: Yeah, and I I, and I think right that same concept of the ruach of breathing life in. I think what we what we find when we go on those quests is what we're really doing when we're doing this big long journey just to come all the way back to the beginning and realize the simplicity Mm -hmm. of it. Yeah, Um, we have to still go on that journey because that journey helps us remove those barriers. Helps us remove those barriers to having grace on ourselves, or having compassion on a friend, or engaging humility, so that we could be more in tune with the joy and the love and the grace. That well, what my what, what the
0: author and the woman who gave me the reading said was exactly that: breathe in, breathe out, breathe in the love, the compassion. Have God in your heart, always ground to your faith and your spiritual connection, and continue the work you're doing. It's your path. She said exactly that, very simply, what you just said in another way, and God is our grace. So that's a very beautiful thing, and I want to thank you for that, Thad. I want to thank you, Thad Cummings, author of Radical Compassion, for a very sensible, logical, and wonderful way to appreciate compassion, empathy, and love from an inner sense of being getting past judgment and complications from our physical barriers and borders and life challenges, and to learn more about growing real and authentic and sharing the light of spirit and soul with others. And to receive a PDF file of Radical Compassion, go to changing company.org. the book can also be purchased on amazon.com in summarizing today's episode of healing from within we have seen what compassion really is and why there are barriers that prevent us from often engaging with an open heart and sharing with others who are in pain or sorrow or challenged in some way because we feel a little bit of fear to make a mistake or make it worse or appear like we are intruding. We have seen that if it feels right and we offer any assistance through love, it will always be valuable. And if not appreciated at the moment, down the road may be remembered as a lifeline and a moment of true compassion. THAD HAS SHOWN US THE JOURNEY OF HIS SOUL, WHICH HAS BEEN TO FIND WAYS TO OPEN TO THE IMPULSES AND ALIGNMENT TO SPIRIT, MOVING PAST FEAR, AND SIMPLY BEING PRESENT AND OPEN TO ALL POSSIBILITIES, AND AS HE SAYS ALWAYS, WITH HUMILITY. THAD WRITES, I SHARE THESE STORIES BECAUSE FROM THE SIMPLE MISTAKES TO THE DEEPEST DESPAIR IN LIFE, WE DON'T TEND TO GO EASY ON OURSELVES or we let our past mistakes define who we are in the present it is imperative that we dissect both the external as well as the internal voices that keep us from having grace and compassion on ourselves it has taken years but i'm beginning to not only understand both sides of my own coin but also to alter my why i continue too long To serve in my community and the more grace I've been able to have on myself the less my baggage comes with me in my acts of service the less it becomes about determining my worth or what others may think and instead I find myself more capable to share that grace with those I encounter and it is the way it is the right way I am Cheryl Glick, host of Healing From Within, and invite you to visit my website, cherylglick.com to read about and listen to visionaries and spiritualists, scientists, medical professionals, psychologists, metaphysicians, and those in the arts and music fields as we learn about our human and spiritual qualities, know more about life and beyond, and improve ourselves personally and collectively. Shows may also be heard on dreamvision7radio.com and webtalkradio.net. Thank you.